Rehab Confidential is brought to you by Work at Health. Can't afford rehab but need help staying sober? Well, Work at Health provides online therapy for addiction nationwide and telemedicine alcohol detox and suboxone treatment in California, Michigan, Washington, New Jersey, and Alaska. Major health plans like Aetna are accepted in some states. Don't do it alone. Get recovery help on your phone. Download the Work at Health app for iOS or Android to get started today or visit workathealth.com slash rehab to get more information or check your coverage. Cool. This is Ooh. Rehab oh, Confidential. Oh, sorry. Frank and Amy Dresser. <laughs> oh, my God. We're peeling back the layers of the rehab industrial complex. So let's get into it. You want to get into it? Come on. Take the gloves off. Let's get into it. Hey there, welcome to Rehab Confidential. I'm Joe Schrank. And I'm Amy Dresner. You're you're in the closet? I am. Now? I am Is sitting in I my understand? closet. Yeah. I yeah. Yeah. That's how okay. that's so how you're fucking literally committed. in the closet. Yeah. That's how fucking committed I am to you and our listeners. Yeah. I am sitting in this very small closet on a chair because they're drilling outside and um I have the door part mostly closed, but the colonel keeps trying to open it up. And I'm just sitting here looking at all my weird vintage hippie shirts and marabou's and yeah, I'm literally in the closet. Yeah. So it's this isn't some kind of metaphorical like no, you're you're no, a closeted no. drug addict and you're afraid oh, to come yeah. out of the, I'm in the, the closet church about basement. Being a drug addict. Closet. <laughs> right. Well, I guess that ship sailed long ago. Um, <laughs> I'm actually in Andrew's room because. You know, Lori Zhu is upstairs um, <laughs> looking through lipsticks and shit. So, <laughs> so, so I think, so he's, Andrew's at work, so I'm just sort of, you know, it's, it's quiet in here. So that's, that's, that's good. Well, that it's quiet yeah. in my closet too. So uh, maybe this okay. is where I could come and meditate and just stare at my 55 pairs of fucking jeans. Yeah. How's uh, nicotine withdrawal? It's been fucking horrible. It's been horrible. I mean, yeah. I don't think I screamed yeah. at you, but I have screamed at everybody else. Yeah. And then literally like mm-hmm. crying and itching and leaving very spirited messages for unemployment people, fighting with my gynecologist, fighting with people online that mm-hmm. agree with me. Yeah. It's been really about, about kicking nicotine. No, it doesn't matter. They could be like, I love your book. And I'm like, fuck you. Like, I just, fucking, oh, 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 I yeah, see. Just, I see. it doesn't matter. I I'm, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it's that's why I always find it strange that you grew up out here because you know, you can always tell a New Yorker by how they take a compliment. I know everyone says I, well, my dad's from New York. That's why everyone says okay. I sound like I'm from New York. Yeah. I know. But, yeah, well, right. I mean, you could say to a New Yorker, you know, hey, you got your haircut? It looks nice. And the New Yorker will say, fuck you. Yeah, I know. You know. But uh, the drop in dopamine from like four pods of Juul to zero, I mean, that was, it's been one of like, it's been one of the worst kicks I've ever had. And I don't know what's in that shit, but like the itchiness and the nausea and the headache and then the, like sporadic crying and then the screaming i'm like oh okay mm. yeah i was like i just please don't let me get arrested again but i've had a lot of a lot of support from people online and i honestly i didn't want to quit i loved it i fucking love it i love nicotine but i yeah. really really was overdoing it and it was expensive right. and i was making myself kind of sick i was kind of like on the verge of giving myself nicotine poisoning 
and I was like, you, I did, I've done it before. And I was just like, yeah. okay, you fucking, now that toy goes away. You fucked up and now you right. can't, I can't right. do anything in moderation. And it's, it's a bummer. It's a fucking bummer. It is a bummer and it's not easy to quit. I mean, look, their emphysema and lung cancer kill more people in recovery than relapse. Um, is that true? It is true. God, so we, just smoke, so we get sober one, and smoke ourselves to death? Get sober and smoke ourselves to death. It was the thing that I had, I, you know, years ago, I was an oasis as the governing body of New York State. Not um, the band. You know, for rehab licenses and whatnot. <laughs> and Come on, that was a good joke. What? I said, you said oasis. I said, not the band. No, not the band. No. I, no. <laughs> no. So they wanted to go 100% smoke-free in treatment. And I was really oh, opposed God, to this no. because I was like, no one's going to come. No, that. yeah. No, 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 no. It no. would literally be like, well, no, you can't smoke. Okay, well, well you fuck can't off, smoke inside boards anymore either. Yeah. Which is... It's a tough issue. It really is, is because... Crazy because, you know, most schizophrenics are wildly addicted to nicotine because yeah. of needing it for, I guess, neurotransmitter stuff. It's, like, very, very common. That's why you see always schizophrenic smoking and stuff like that. There's well, they some... also might think that they're... Um, you know, they might forget that one of their personalities had a cigarette, and so they think that their next personality terrible needs joke. a cigarette. Fucking terrible, terrible, terrible joke. Schizophrenia is different from multiple personality disorder. Yes, I understand. No, terrible. I know. It's one of the... No, it's, uh, this is not my first time quitting, and I, I, I prayed okay. it's my last, and uh, that's kind of a well, joke. Well, best but, of luck, day to yeah. time, you know best the deal. Best of luck. Yeah, anyway, yeah. whatever, we're doing right. it. So here's a funny story. Um, do you want to hear it? It's how I, I do. Blew, it's how I blew. It, if my it's a story of you chance. fucking stuff up, I absolutely want to hear it. It is. It's a story of me fucking up in a glorious burnout. Oh, oh bring it, bring it. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, this is four years ago. I I was in contact with the Clinton campaign because they were based in Brooklyn and I was still living in Brooklyn. And so I went to them and I said, "Look, how about making me a brand ambassador?" for families who have lost someone i'll just drive around i'll go to churches in new england and i'll just say i'm here to listen i'm representing the clinton campaign what would be helpful to you should there be a president hillary clinton mm -hmm. and they were really into this they were like wow that's really great what a great idea i said well look maybe we'll do some town halls with some clergy or teachers or and then i went too far and I said, "Really? <laughs> I did." Oh, and that's I said, so odd for you. I can't. I no, can't I know. Believe it. Like I can never just leave uh, well enough I'm, alone. I'm I'm the female version of you, but nice. I can never yeah, just be like, okay, go of to course. New Hampshire in some churches and and you know, try to be empathic to crying mothers, which I'm actually good at. You know, in that particular really because you're terrible when I cry to you. Terrible. Uh, well, Awful. but you know when you've lost a child like i don't know it's so if i, I, I lose a child for you to have any empathy for anything or anything yeah, pretty much it's got to okay. be extreme okay yeah. got it all right got it um so and then i said well you know really states that have legal cannabis have 25 percent fewer overdoses than states oh, that don't boy. and so that is when they mm. were like mm -hmm. thank <laughs> you for playing but it gets worse and then i oh, got God. then it got worse do you want to okay. know how it got oh, worse? Oh, yeah, please. Oh, please. This is how it got worse. So at the same time, um, Anthony Weiner, 
oh, no. went to prison for his whatever. And right. so I said, hey, this might be a bit of a crazy idea, oh, God. but Huma is going to need someone to go to the inauguration with and to state dinners. Oh, and I am more than willing to be Huma's escort oh, God. at the White House. Uh-huh. And I will just go like full um, Stedman. I'll just stand in the background. I won't do anything. Oh, my God. <laughs> So I'm pretty sure they had me tagged as like a stalker and the secret service mm-hmm. has tapped my phone. You don't even own pants. No, you wear but shorts I would... everywhere. You wear shorts everywhere. <laughs> I which mean, is you make funny... me look dressed up, which is incredible. Cause I look like I, I just climbed out of a fucking dumpster. I mean, I've never Actually, I'll show you the picture. Mayor and I, Mayor oh Rashawn and I had a meeting at the white house office, the ONDCP, the office of national drug control policy. And I wore shorts. And so oh, I posted God. on, on oh, Facebook God. and I said, yes, as a matter of fact, I did wear shorts to the white oh, house. Oh God. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. It was 90 fucking degrees in D.C. It was sweating. It doesn't matter. Balls. It doesn't matter. There's a certain whatever. But I'm not very good at that either. I'm always like underdressed and improperly whatever. And so I get it. But, you know, this is part of your charm and part of why you've gotten well, able to get was some that, of great guests on here that would, ne- you know, normally no, never no, do no. it because you're just like, part of fuck it, is it that I don't the care. Own- the ONDCP is not actually in the White House, even though it's the White House Office of National Drug Control Policy. It's sort of down Pennsylvania Avenue. So it's just an office. It's not like I was going into the White House. Yeah, but you wear shorts everywhere. Yeah, I do. With your, carrying your little diet Snapple. You're just so, you're so weird. You're so fucking weird. Why? Diet Snapple Why? is mostly water. Oh, okay. so I don't want the sugar. Need. But no grown men drink Diet Snapple, honey. I don't know what to tell you. Care. Uh, okay. No. Okay. I know I it's cheap. It, it's cheap. It's sharp. And, uh, it is. It's, seven, it's like fourteen dollars a case. I know. I've heard. Car. I've heard all your excuses. All it's, right. So it's embarrassing. <clears throat> all right. Let's talk news because because uh, we're running out of time already. All right. So our, we um, have an amazing guest today. So. We do have an amazing guest today. So let's just say, and we'll do this really quickly, and we can put a link on the website. But Chris Heron, who's actually a great guy, um, former NBA player and heroin addict, Cute, and too. He, does like recovery stuff now. And so he is developed a program where there is on site counseling services on construction sites. I I I didn't even know that didn't even occur to me. And it should be such an obvious connection that, that people who do construction, I mean, your body gets totally fucked doing that. Oh, totally. They're on painkillers. It never occurred to me, but that makes total sense. Well, and it makes also makes total sense because the hurdles to seeing somebody about your addiction are really high. But, you know, I mean, the same way that occupational therapy. So, so there are nurses on construction sites for like big construction companies where they're checking blood pressure and they're seeing like, you know, cuts and that kind of a thing. So it makes perfect sense. So I am all for this idea that there are also mental health services. Yeah on sites and that is a hard stressful job yeah it's really hard. um yeah and so i think you know well done chris heron we should try and i'll reach out to him maybe yeah let's have on. him on man let's have him talk yeah. about this that's fucking incredible thing yeah that he's doing yeah. I think, I, really hats off to him it's amazing yeah no i agree um, yeah it shatters your him. body i mean it's really hard it on your really body. does i mean one of the things that we see a lot of in treatment here I've done a lot in of los angeles in my life when i was on speed so i know about these things right 
<laughs> right. I'm, I, yeah, I'm not a handy no, no, person. No, the girl, well, the lesbian that I was in love with in my book was doing construction. And I mean, she was, yeah. everything hurt every day. And she was the only chick on like the crew. And it was really, it's really, really, really hard work. So. Super hard work. And we see a lot of it in here in treatment centers in, in LA because of the insurance contracts. And so we see a lot of young guys who are frackers, which is apparently also really hard work. That's and like, 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 like drilling and yeah, shit. I don't yeah, know. I, yeah, mean, I have no like idea, that. but it's, it's, they're injury prone. They have injuries. They end up. Is that like coal to, or drilling oil? What is it? No, no. Like oil and natural gas. And yeah. Shit. Yeah. That's gnarly. Yeah. But man, so, imagine the biceps on those motherfuckers. Woo! Yeah, maybe you can maybe you can cougar and troll around some ring house <laughs> for, some, for some frackers. <laughs> so, um, okay, so this is also quick, but and I thought this was interesting, and I do want to get to our alcoholic of the day. But um, the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, says yes. that there have been more than seven hundred and fifty thousand people have died from overdoses since nineteen ninety nine. 1,760,000 have died from alcohol Oof. during the same time frame. So congratulations to us. COVID is our bitch. We kick COVID's ass for death by a large margin. And I understand COVID has not been around as long, so it's not really a fair comparison. And it's also like you don't get, you don't get overdosed by some invisible droplet a micron by. a micron yeah right. and it's so not it's not contagious although people think addiction's contagious it's a weird well it's it's just one of those things that and i get that i live in this world and i'm steeped in this world and my life has largely been about advocacy for the people who are impaired by this but it's just like well how come we don't have 24-hour news coverage we're we're fucking dropping dead uh, exponentially well, higher yeah, rates well, the than opioid any crisis, Well, the opioid crisis thing got a bunch of coverage, and we're going to have on the head of the spirits lobby, and we're going to talk to him about this. We are. We are going to talk to him about I that, which I, yeah. I'm still... Shocked. I'm, oh, I know. I'm still shocked he's coming. My favorite I've, part was that he said, will Amy be nice to me? I'm the nice one! <laughs> I am the nice one! Clearly, he doesn't see it that way. You're the dick! I'm clearly the nice one! I don't understand Clearly, that. he agrees. What? He agrees with the review that said I was Oh, that you're a delight. Oh, God, if I hear yeah. this one more fucking time. Oh, my God. Uh, so, we'll just have to see... But I, I mean, it isn't, and I understand the comparison is weak and it doesn't, you know, it's sort of a uh, false equivalency here, but it is something to, to think just about. sort of, yeah. yeah, it's just sort of something to think about. I mean, COVID has been terrible for a bunch of different reasons. Oh, you yeah, know, I, I, mean, I know people who have lost people. I've yes. seen the economic devastation. Yes. We're all going stir crazy. I'm fucking going stir crazy. You no, know, I'm bananas. It's yeah, awful. I'm totally bananas. Yeah. You know, I get it. And I don't Isolation. I've seen a zillion people relapse. There's people killing yeah. themselves. People are, you know, spikes in drinking, spikes in overdoses. Overeating, over, you know, drinking during the day, going bananas with their kids in the house. I mean, every, yeah. it's, it's just, it's a whole other thing. Freaking out about money. Hi. You know, it's yeah. Just, yeah, it's I really know. gnarly. It's really, really gnarly. At the same time, nearly two million people in a decade have drank themselves to death. I mean, that's that seems terrifying. Like pretty yeah, that's relevant 
Yeah, no, I agree. Part of American life that well, we're Well, I'm ignoring. sure it's kept out of the news for some interesting reasons because there's a lot of, you know, yeah. important people on. Okay, so um, we only have a few more minutes before our guest, Mr. Zachary Siegel, who I'm looking Woo! forward to talking to. But let's just talk briefly about the alcoholic of the day who I've chosen, Mr. Christy Brown. Do you remember Christy Brown? I don't. Christy Brown is an Irish author and painter. He had cerebral palsy and only had control of his left foot. So he's completely oh, the paralyzed. Oh, my left foot? For my left foot, right. Oh, my God. Daniel Day-Lewis yeah. was amazing in amazing. that. Amazing, right. My aunt so, has cerebral palsy, yeah. He wrote Down All the Days and right. My Left Foot which became an international bestseller right. and later a movie where which the, uh, it was played where the movie by Daniel was actually amazing. The movie was a fucking amazing. Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and Daniel Day-Lewis won the Oscar that year. Um, and so here's well the served. kind of well-deserved. He was an alcoholic? He was. And oh, wow. in spite of Christy Brown's physical limitations, he always managed to have a drink, which I thought so was, was like painting and writing with his foot and he still got a fucking drink in his mouth. <laughs> he had this kind of system of putting it in his lapel pocket with a straw. Brilliant. So he could type genius with his toes, like a fucking novel. So anybody who wants to write a book and thinks they can't write a book, just remember Christy Brown wrote many books and he typed it with his left foot. Wow. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, was have like, you seen have you seen there's people who have like been, you know, have had staff and like like had their like hands amputated and they can still like shoot up with their feet and shit. Like, you know, where oh, there's yeah. a will, well, there's look, a way. We're gnarly. Well, We're there gnarly. is a will, there's a way. I mean, I think that that's sort of the interesting thing is that the disease will find a way. If you are an alcoholic, um, you will you will get it done. Yeah. The books were critically acclaimed. He won many awards. He is regarded in the great Irish tradition of being oh, an of alcoholic course, storyteller. Irish, like a god, you, all you right. have to say is Irish. Like James Joyce and Brendan Behan. And I'm a very I'm a, I'm a big fan of Irish literature. Brendan Behan said I'm a drinker with a writing problem. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So Christy Brown um, he was seldom without a drink in spite of his physical limitations. And what actually happened was he was very susceptible to choking because of his cerebral palsy. Right. And he had married this woman who was also an alcoholic and he choked and he died. And there's speculation that they were both, you know, good and liquor, that she was not really paying attention Ooh. as she needed to as his caregiver when he ate. So very, very sad demise. So he However, died from choking, not from He alcoholism. did. He died from choking. But, you know, I mean, when your caregiver is liquored and, you know, liquor, what is, are you like is, in the thirties? Liquored? <laughs> Drunk? How what would weird. You what was our other thing? What was the new word I was going to use instead of sober? Temperant? Temperant. Untemperant. Yeah. Untemperant. Yeah. yeah. So look, if you're new and you're looking to try something and you're looking for some content, read down all the days by Christy Brown. Watch my left foot. Starring Daniel Day-Lewis. So good. So good. Um, and do you want to, and briefly, we have another one more minute here. I, um, I know you love Lori Dew stories. I do. So we were in Dublin and, you know, I'm kind of a geek about James Joyce. I feel like I could spend the rest of my time dissecting Ulysses. 
And so it's a very big deal in Dublin and they dress up like the characters and they have this parade with Molly Bloom, lead character. So there's the James Joyce Museum. And Lori Dew was, was very good to go to this with me because it could be regarded as boring by some people. <laughs> okay. So do you want to know the exciting part yes, for Lori please, Dew? Please tell when me. When we walked out, we saw The Edge <laughs> from YouTube. Oh my God. Okay. She was literally beside herself. It was okay. like, like deer in headlights. Oh my god! <laughs> and I was like, "Wait, what? What the fuck? What? What's going on?" The edge. Um, yeah. our guest is here. So before we bring on our guest, who I'm super excited about, a waste to write with. Uh, back in the day, um, I just want to do a little shout out. Uh, now I'm an. I'm, I've always been self-employed, and now I'm sort of an entrepreneurial woman, and I, I, I sort of feel that you're also a, a woman. Do you agree? Me? Yes. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, I feel like I'm a, um, uh, I feel like I'm a, like a PE teacher lesbian. Yes, like I'm with, a giant, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah or truck yeah. driver and you, or something and you, like that. And you make, yeah, you and your Snapple, and you cook, and you make handmade pasta, and your pies, <laughs> and then you also like yeah. softball and wear your shorts, and yeah, so and you want to be yeah, a housewife. I never it's a very, you're very like, strange. But anyway, I'm like so, a Subaru away from being an actual Absolutely, husband. absolutely. Yeah. So huh. basically now, this has been very stressful for us, right? We didn't know how much work this would be. And so now we're entrepreneurial women. So I just want to give a shout out to... If you're an entrepreneurial or self-employed woman and are stressed the fuck out right now, like Joe and I, uh, you're going to want to check this out. Resurgo, R-E-S-U-R-G-O. It's a Canadian tech startup and it's giving away thousand bucks in cash to self-employed women specifically so they can improve their mental health. It takes three minutes to enter to win and you can do whatever the fuck you want with the money as long as it's going to make you feel better. So search resurgo.com on Instagram or Facebook or go to resurgo.co for details. And we even, I entered us. Maybe we'll get money. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. I know. Yeah, for sure. And I'm all for, look, I think that we all need uh, help with our mental health. And I can imagine the complexities of being an entrepreneurial woman, which is largely considered to be a man's world. So it's got to be even harder. Yeah, there's a lot of... Uh mental health issues, eating disorder, stress, anxiety, sexual harassment, sexism, you know, I mean, there's just all kinds of stuff that goes on. But they've got a lot more drug use and alcohol abuse and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's uh, the work of my friend, Laurel Allen Stark, and she's fucking rad. So check it out. Very good. Okay, let's move on. Let's get Zachary on here. Let's get Zachary Siegel on. He is a freelance writer and a researcher. He's incredibly fucking smart. We used to write together years ago at your uh, creation, The Fix. Uh, oh, good. Let's follow. talk about The Fix. Oh, uh, no. Oh, God. Please, let's not. Anyway, uh, welcome, Zachary. Hi, Zach. Hey, I'm super excited to be here. Can you hear me okay? All, all good? I can. Okay. Hey, Zach. How are you? Joe, nice to uh, hear your voice. It's been a while. Yes, <laughs> it's been a while. And I remember, look, and, and, you know, I mean, I get a lot of shit about sour grapes with the fix, but God. I just feel like the guy who started the Rolling Stones and then got kicked out before they made, <laughs> before it ever. The fix before is not the Rolling Stones. Like, really? <laughs> 
I mean, I, look, it's been around now for almost 10 years. I don't know that anybody else has created a magazine about addiction and recovery that has had the exposure or the sustainability of the fix. The fact that they fucked it up oh my God. Uh, is a whole other story. Uh, someone we, needs yeah, to we do could talk forth. about that story. Let's not. No, let's not, Zachary. Let's not. Let's not. Anyway, right, you so and I connected. We don't need to talk about that now. We can talk about that yeah. some other time. But, but Zach, tell us. Tell us a little bit. I mean, I know that your recovery is not the conventional recovery. Yeah, tell us are, about that. We're yeah. all about supporting many, many all pathways and diversity yeah. and modality. So tell us, how, what's, what's up with you? How is that working for you? Yeah, good question. So, you know, I'm, I'm 31 now, and all of my, like, very early recovery stuff happened back when I was, like, 21 and 22. So it's, there's this, like, 10-year evolution and i think it's just always changing and i think in the in the beginning like you know so i think there's like a lot of like class involvement in this story because i grew up in like an affluent suburb of chicago and the big game in town was hazelden they have like a a, a sober house and an iop in the Gold Coast, on Dearborn, oh, of I Chicago. know, I know it well. And yeah. the, a funny story about that building—it used to be the Russian consulate. And oh, really? Yeah, and I don't know like what exactly happened, but it's just like very, very big brick, like mansion. And yeah, I think it was like a uh, you know diplomats used to hang out there and spies or whatever. <laughs> but uh, and now junkies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, I, like I was in some guy's office. Like, who knows? like you know what like russian spy was hanging out in in, our, in, in in our group therapy room but you know like that was the game in town and it's uh and you were in a heroin addict right an ivy heroin addict yeah like opiates heroin it was always downers like i'm like a but it was uh, iv too right you were yeah down- yeah i'm like a stressed right. out anxious nervous jewish kid like the last thing i, I needed was, i know like, who you are <laughs> amp this up i needed to calm this down and so yeah opiates really did the trick benzos too but benzos out you just forget everything like you cannot be a functional <laughs> adult and try to like go to college and take like 10 milligrams of benzos a day it's just like the functionality is impossible but functioning on opiates it's actually quite easy if you have the supply and like i got into trouble because i would go broke run out of heroin and have to do all kinds of crazy shit to get it. And that's where like the consequences of addiction, as we all are familiar with really right. uh, kick in. But so, yeah, like the, the game in town was Hazelden and, you know, like it's a very professional place. Like there are counselors with a lot of, you know, letters after their last names and it's group therapy <laughs> and lectures and, brain disease this and you know it's like a very like regimented somewhat cookie cutter of approach but you know they do dress it up as being very professional and so like that's where my parents wanted to spend their money they were paying for this they sort of intervened in my life and that was my first exposure to anything like recovery related and so like that's where it all started and so yeah. so your first exposure to recovery is sort of the foundational accepted mainstream version of recovery right it's very 
Well, Hazelden is very AA um, focused. Hazelden was developed, you know, a long time ago, um, you know, and, and I think that they do a lot of great work. They're one of the pillars of, re- of the recovery community. With that said, I don't know that innovation or um, deviating or acceptance of a wider birth is their thing. You know, it seems, as you said, it is very... It is very regimented. So it what happened, Zachary? You designed. did like the whole twelve step thing, and you did it, or were you like resistant and defiant from the beginning, and were like, no? It was like back and forth. Like mm-hmm. I, you know, wasn't really calling the shots. Like you know, it was like yeah. you show oh, up yeah, here, you do this, right. you pee in the. I've cup. been in treatment seven yeah. times. I know exactly. <laughs> and so, like at a certain point, when I'm like so, you know, broken down and fucked up yeah. and have nothing to show for my life. I'm really like not in any kind of uh, anyone's good graces to like be making decisions and, Mm -hmm. and, and calling things out. And so like, there is like early on, like a frustrating experience of just like, like, I don't know if this is like quite it. And everyone's like, dude, like, you don't know what the fuck you need. Just like do this. We're trying to help you. Right. And like, I, I, I could get on board with that to an extent. And I think, so like I, I had a couple of fits and starts. Like it wasn't just like I hit a grand slam, go to Hazelden and recover and everything's great. Like the first uh, initial shot at this, I left detox with a prescription for Suboxone. And so I was doing really good on that actually. So like I was doing Suboxone and then I would go to these groups and do the therapy and do all this stuff and like i've just felt normal for like the first time in a very long time mm-hmm. having a like pretty weak opioid just in my system kind of like satiating the thirst and my i guess like big gripe about the hazelden model at the time and they have evolved on this a little it, it has changed so in order to live in their like recovery residence and get into the program i needed to sign some kind of contract that i would like agree to a tight a, a titration plan for my suboxone and so i think i left detox on like a 12 milligram regimen sort of like four in the morning four milligrams in the afternoon and then like four later on like i would just take 12 milligrams a day and then i went down to eight and then i went down to six and then i went down to four and then I stayed at two milligrams for a while. And then I went from like two to one to zero. And when I got off of it, I just felt like this depressed, anxious insomniac again. And it really sucked. And so I like didn't know like what to do. I didn't know how to like tell people what I needed. I didn't think that I would be listened to. And so I went back to heroin because that's like, what i knew fixed things and so it was after that, how old yeah. were you at this point zach 22 how, how yeah. old were you 22. 22 okay all right well look i mean this is a very common story yeah. um where and how was it rationalized to you like how did they say well you have to come off the suboxone because like what was the reason they were giving you yeah just that like it's not the right way like it, it's it was basically that simple where we don't want you to be on this for very long. Right. It's a temporary crutch and that's it. Yeah. It's not and real and, and yeah. then like in the 
sort of meetings and sort of in like the, the water cooler kind of chatter. If someone was on Suboxone, it was like, oh, you're cheating or right. that, that's not real recovery. I think that still exists in oh, the no, AA 100%. community. Yeah. yeah. It's a very ingrained thing. And so, the, so, so I was getting like the sort of the negative feedback from mm-hmm. peers and in meetings and then also the pressure from the staff being like, this Got isn't it. the right way. This isn't the way we do things. And I, I didn't like know anything. I mean, at, at the time, I, like these were the people with the degrees and right, with course. the knowledge and they're the therapists and who was I to be like, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. And I did get to that point where like the frustration and, and the anger would come out in that way. It's like, I don't think you guys know what the fuck you're doing. And so like, that was like the beginning of the souring of their method. It's interesting because, you know, if you read Howard Wetzman's book, he, uh, questions and answers about addiction that was written. I mean, God, I think what, 12 years ago, something crazy. I mean, he talks about, you know, suboxone and stuff that how it just kind of caps the opiate receptors and just chills people out. It's really like, a medication for your brain, which is different. Yeah. Your brain and that you're overfiring with too much anxiety. You know what I mean? So it's like the fact that you felt normal. I don't understand why we're not allowed to feel normal. Like, right. Hi. Or, you know or, what I mean? or like, God forbid you feel pleasure. Like even if the Suboxone does make you right. feel like <laughs> a little bit of warmth or like hey, you hey, get that. You have, you have <laughs> shitty coffee in a church basement. What do you mean? you you what do you mean you deserve pleasure so yeah. zach what happened so so mm-hmm. i know that you've talked about like being so you don't shoot dope anymore are you still on suboxone no so like it, it, it's a long sort of complicated story and like i said it's unfolded over 10 years but you know i did manage to find a way to do this and it it did involve more treatment more like a, an intense like long-term inpatient experience and Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, what I found was like that the, like the recovery approved literature and like, I think the literature is a big part of why I'm here now and why I am who I am. And, and I like to write and like to read and in treatment, in rehab, I was reading like Camus and Victor Frankl and just like people who were trying to like figure out human suffering and that's what I needed to like understand and learn. And I was just not getting that from like the approved literature and had to like branch out and like make my own path and figure out all this existential shit and really work through all that. And, and so, you know, today, like I, I don't go to meetings I don't and you can drink, right? You can drink. I, normal. Yeah. I, I drink. So this is really funny. Like I hate drinking actually. Like, Last night I'm with my with my girlfriend of many years and, and her dad and we're like outside in, in the suburbs of Chicago at this like dumb Italian restaurant full of old people like eating outside and my partner she orders a like dirty gin martini. I'm like, Oh, I haven't had one of those in so long, like oh I'm gonna get one of those. And so I drink half of it and just get like a fucking headache. I'm like, This is why I don't <laughs> drink these things. Totally forgot. Like every time I drink I just get a headache. I hate it. And so it's really easy for me not to drink, but I do like drugs. I do like other things. Like I will uh-huh. use an edible, like Illinois passed weed legalization. And I've 
lived in Denver and lived in LA where weed is abundant. And so, you know, I'm I do all I, about that. I, I do like, Joe's, like, I like to watch space movies and like eat an edible. Like I'll just go watch Interstellar. And can you do that without like doing it every fucking day, all day? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Because if I'm see, too high, I don't, I don't have that. Yeah, I can't. I, I'm not like that. Like if if I'm too high, it takes me like a half hour to write a two sentence email. Like I just can't <laughs> do it. But if it's like nighttime and I just like want to like watch a space movie, I'll totally eat an edible. So what's the message you want to send to people who think that abstinence is the only way or once a junkie, always a junkie, or you've got to be on Suboxone forever? Like, if you could just put pair it down, what would you say? And this is obviously just your experience, yeah, yeah, but like, like, what, what I, would you say? You know, I'm not a doctor, not a scientist, but, like, my my experience is just that, like, let people be people. Like, we're all super different. Like, if your right. way works for you, and like you're about evangelizing that way and really want other people to see the light and do it your way. Like a small percentage of people might agree with you, but if people don't and they need something else, like don't beat them while they're down, like don't right. shove shit down their throat. That isn't helping them. And actually listen to, to people like not all of us are in denial and deluded. Right. Right. And, and insane. Like we have, faculties about us and when we protest and when we say this isn't working don't take that as a sign of self-will run riot or right. like selfishness or whatever just take that as like someone trying to communicate to you what they need right let me just respond briefly i mean this story that you've told us zach is like it's a very common thing right and it's actually incredibly dangerous to have a 21 year old impulsive guy right we're all impulsive and you know i mean i think the clinical phrasing that i like to say is couldn't find your ass with both hands <laughs> um to take that person off a of maintenance or agonist therapy that cuts the death rate by 80 percent is unethical uh, and malpractice in my view I mean, especially when the rationalization is just because, well, that's how we like it, mm -hmm. right? It's a really incredibly dangerous thing. I hear this a lot. I hear a lot of sober living operators that say, well, we don't allow that medication. And it's like, really, doctor? Okay. <laughs> when did you? Because, you, you know, practicing medicine without a license is actually a felony. So it's not anything to allow or not allow. You know, it isn't anything that you can actually frame into a rule of how somebody lives. So I'm glad you got through that. I think it's, um, I think it is one of those things where we actually don't use medication enough of the time. Sure. And I know you, like me, are a bit of a research wonk, and so we know that we know the data. You know, and and whenever you say, and Amy gets tired of hearing me say this, I'm sure, but the N of one oh, is Jesus. one of the biggest problems in the recovery <laughs> community because when you say to somebody that's very risky to take somebody off of suboxone they say my sponsee was on that yeah right right it's always themselves or maybe they can look outside themselves enough to their sponsee but they cannot look at the world in a larger view of developing effective policy to improve outcomes in a general sense only what happened to them. It's very Republican. You know how Republicans don't give a fuck until it happens to them? You know, like, um, like, with like, uh, are you Republican, Zach? 
No, I'm like a Jewish <laughs> okay, communist. Thank God. Right. <laughs> you're like a Jewish communist. That's awesome. You're, like, you're like an Upper West Side. You're not from Joe's New York. Joe's surrounded by Jews. Joe, Joe so badly wants to be Jewish. <laughs> I do. I mean, I, and I lived in Brooklyn for so long. I said, uh, you know, my, my Yiddish, I'm sure, would kick your oh, Yiddish's fuck ass. Oh, fuck you. Yeah. Well, so like so, one, one um, point on the, the sober living side, like I'm always confused when a sober living house is excluding people on medication because it's like, aren't you guys just in this for the money? Aren't you just capitalists? Like, don't you yeah, just right. want people <laughs> in this house? Like, isn't that the point Ooh. of buying a house yeah, part of it is this like sort of thousand dollars a month right but that's a, a thousand, marketing try four thousand <laughs> that's a marketing ploy to that's like a purity test about how virtuous that sober living is well we don't allow for this and we don't allow for that and it has to be rules and so on and so forth one of the things that i always think and i maybe i'm wrong i have no idea is it abstinence that leads back to the drug of choice because 98 percent of people who attempt abstinence end up using the drug that got them into the system in the first place so maybe it is abstinence maybe it's not maintenance drugs maybe it's not antagonist therapies maybe it's not your gummy while you watch a fucking space movie which by the way i have no problem with that at all <laughs> i think you're a young dude you know there's no lethal dose have your gummies and watch what do you want like land of the lost what do you want? I mean, like, I, it, the, the pandemic has been really hard because movie theaters are closed. But, like, I love horror movies. I love space movies. I love, like, horror movies right. in space. Like, anything, like, <laughs> co co like alien, cosmic horror, like, that kind of stuff. Like, I love that stuff. Right. Um, tell us a little bit about you've been covering lately, what you've been covering lately um, about COVID and overdoses. Mm -hmm. Talk to us. Yeah. So like my, my usual beat, like I love talking to like frontline uh, workers, like in, in healthcare and public health and people who work at syringe exchanges or people who distribute naloxone. And I'm always talking to these people. And since March, what they're all telling me, and this is like across the country, just that like the pandemic has like deeply exacerbated all of the problems that they had been trying to address before the pandemic. And it, I mean, like, you know, this country, like there were, there was despair and there was a, a, a sinking life expectancy and like a high death rate before this virus and, and things were not good for, for a lot of people. And like in terms of housing and just like basic needs, like people don't have that in this country in, in a lot of ways. And so what uh, I've been reporting on is just how like in a way it's almost like there's just this tenacity like they're still managing to get people what they need even in these totally constrained and like apocalyptic circumstances and you know a lot of people are also just so burnt out like workers doctors anyone in healthcare like they they're super taxed and so um i've been trying to yeah tell their stories i've been trying to you know, like divert some attention, like, hey, like this is the other public health emergency. Like, absolutely, that's what Sean yeah, Mahoney was yeah, talking yeah. about us too. He was like, there's a crisis within the crisis that no one's fucking talking about. Yeah, and this like, is like the worst like, thing for mentally ill and and mm -hmm. uh, and people with substance abuse disorders. You know what I mean? It's the worst. Yeah, no, the isolation, the financial dark. problems, all of it. It's so gnarly. Yeah, and so like. 
a, a recent report by the AMA put out that like 35 states have reported increases in overdose deaths basically since March. And so, you know, like that social isolation piece is, is really bad yeah. and financial precarity yeah. is really bad. Like, like yeah. the whole world is a trigger right now if, if you're yes. sort of living yes. on the edge. And so this sort of shock to the environment um, has, I think, really put people in, in vulnerable spots. So I've been trying, to, you know, my best to, um, yeah, cover that and point it out and, uh, yeah, I, I think the, 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 the hardest thing, and this is what people have been saying to me is just like, there's just no end in sight. Like no one knows when this is going to fucking end. And like, you know, the apocalypse, like it feels at the same time, like very boring and tedious, but also just like lonely and depressing. Like it's just, yes. it's just hard out there. Yeah. Joe? What is the raw data? Like, I mean, when you say that you're seeing, I mean, I, because I, it makes perfect sense. I mean, I always thought that, and Amy had been talking about the two, just that it's sort of this perfect germination for alcoholics to blossom into full blown alcoholics. Yeah, I called this in March. I wrote pieces about this in March predicting this. I was just like, this is the perfect <laughs> fucking storm. You and know, like you said, the, the, the worry, the isolation, the when is the end in sight, so on and so forth. So what do you, like, if you had to guess, are we seeing double the overdoses? Are we seeing mm -hmm. um, uh, more people are drinking themselves to death? Are some of those people who are, are listed as casualties of the coronavirus, did they drink themselves to death? Mm -hmm. You know, what, what do you think is, because I always think, you know, and I know you probably know the stats, but if 88,000 people a year die from drinking, how can we never read an obituary that says they died of acute alcoholism? Yeah. Like, there's still something about that that isn't spoken about. And so what, what do you think? What do you think? How bad is it? What, what, are we looking at a decade to unravel this once it is over? Yeah. I mean, I think that question like highlights our very bad public health infrastructure and surveillance in this country. Like it so the CDC just uh, in the middle of July released July, 2020 released the 2019 mortality data for the previous year. And so in, in July, 2020, we're learning what happened in 2019. So there's this lag in the data and everyone like in sort of epidemiology and the public health people, they all, that's like the first thing they always talk to me about is lamenting the lag in the data and how like we cannot fight a like very mutating kind of patchworky disparate uh, overdose crisis in 2020 with 2019's mortality data. Like it's just, you know, even, right. even just how the, the pandemic is so regionally disparate and heterogeneous like so is the overdose crisis like in chicago where i live the vast majority of people overdosing are older black men most of them have been using heroin for a very long time and then boom fentanyl comes and they don't don't know about it they they don't adjust the dose they're, they're totally unaware of the change oh. in supply so you have this like sort of rash of older black men dying and the meta narrative around the overdose crisis like the the national narrative is about, oh, it's, about it's, it's about yeah, Ohio. It's young. about the Ohio River yeah. Valley. It's uh -huh. about post-industrial Rust Belt America, West West Virginia, West right. Virginia, and so you know, 
getting back to the the data question like it's just a big i don't fucking know and nobody does but the like predictive and preliminary estimates and statistics are seeing like some some places have like a, a 30% increase which like is a lot or a 15% increase which is pretty significant too so it's it, it's i don't know if like if, if it's like a, a whole doubling but it's definitely on the rise and this is in the context of 2018 which there was a 4.1% drop in overdoses for the first time in like 25 years and like the Trump administration like celebrated this like yes this is the progress that we've been you know, hoping for, and this is because of our investment in this. And everyone was like cautiously, like, okay, like you guys didn't really do shit, but okay. And then, <laughs> and then, like, and then, like, 2019 comes, and it, and it's like a five percent increase from that. So, like this, this like hope for a downward trend has totally unraveled, and they're mm-hmm. thinking 2020 will be even worse. So, like, I, I can't give you, you know, hard numbers. And in terms of like the the alcohol issue. Like, yeah, I don't read obituaries about alcohol deaths either. And, and more people die from alcohol than, than opioids. And I don't think people know that either. Well, yeah, so, well, that's something yeah, we're talking yeah, about. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, it did double, double. I mean, roughly. which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, well, and like, it's longer. And, it takes longer. And it's like, yeah. not as, I don't know, you can't play big pharma. And we're, I mean, we're gonna, we're really, we're really starting to focus in on that. I mean, it's funny because I've been on a lot of other people's podcasts always. I'm just like a podcast whore, even before I started my own. And like, um, and all I talk to people who used to shoot bath salts and meth and heroin and coke and like everything. And we all are like alcohol fucked us up the most. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, it like my, my way made me so bananas and violent and cuckoo. It was like, I was way calmer shooting cocaine. My way to try to illustrate why alcohol is so much more lethal and toxic than other drugs is like, if I snort a line of heroin, like, that chemical just like binds to receptors in my brain and makes me feel good. And like, right. it's not necessarily like, like water soluble, but like when you go to like, in like 70% of our bodies is, is water. And when you put alcohol in a glass of water, it doesn't separate. It fully dissolves into it. And so alcohol just goes everywhere. It goes to your kidneys. Ugh. It goes to your liver. It goes all over your body. Whereas like the heroin I just did is like pretty localized to my brain. Like it doesn't like really fuck up my mm. liver. It doesn't like, like, like I always say like Burroughs did opiates like every day for, Oh, uh, we talked uh, like, about like, that like right to those nineties and, and never and it, fucking died. Yeah, like what yeah, the fuck? I'm so right, mad. Right. Like, like, like <laughs> these, these, the drugs that I like, like I could actually just use them forever if I just had a never ending supply and my body would probably be okay if I slept right and ate right and exercised and did all the other stuff. But with alcohol, like you cannot hide from it. It is going all over your yeah, body. Yeah, it will fucking crush your liver. Yeah, it will destroy you. Yeah. So, Zach, I mean, I, one of the things I always think about is that we're chasing the wrong thing. Like the data is pretty clear. There's relatively not that many people who use heroin and cocaine and those kinds of substances. Most people use either cannabis or alcohol. Cannabis, mm-hmm. by any metric, is a safer form of intoxication than alcohol. Yeah. There's no other way to sort of add that up. What is, how do you, what, what do you think, how does alcohol get a free pass in the culture? What, what are your thoughts about that? Well, I, I think it is the culture that gives it the pass. I mean, like, we, when the, like, quote-unquote opioid epidemic 
was starting to be reckoned with. It was like, okay, eyes on big pharma. Let's do Johnson and Johnson. Let's do Purdue. Go to the manufacturers, not just the manufacturers, go to the distributors, sue the pharmacies, lock up the doctors, like the whole chain of the medical system the supply side, is, right, is, is right. implicated and they're going after all of it. What would that look like for alcohol? Like, so sue the, like the Budweiser Bush family, whatever, like, like sue absolute vodka, like so much of the alcohol products that cause the death and the stuff that people who drink heavily use. It's not like, you know, top shelf stuff. They're buying like the, the plastic skull vodka at the grocery, at like the, the bodega or whatever. It's just like these, like these like tiny little cheap hits of alcohol are the things that I think are the products that poor people or people who are like heavily drinking every day can afford and use every day. And it's like, what would it look like to, to like a, to like hit a supply side approach on that? I, I don't know. And like, you know, the, the whole drinking age thing, it's like, you know, these are, these are adults. And in America, like we, our only freedom is really to consume whatever the fuck we want for the most part. And, <laughs> and like alcohol is, is just there. It's always been there and it's super culturally accepted. Like, you know, I always felt bad for the people who were young and trying to recover from alcohol because like, I could go to restaurants or go out with friends. Right, it's and, not like, yeah, like, like, don't like them. Here's our, our display of, of heroin, sir. Right. Which, which one would you like? Here's there's, our heroin menu. There's, there's, nobody, there's, nobody, there's nobody tying off at the bar or the waiter isn't offering me heroin. Nobody's pushing. Nobody's saying, would you like wine with those pot stickers? Yeah, I get it. exactly. I and, mean, I know that it's sort of integrated into the culture and mm -hmm. it's a depth that we're not ever going to unravel. And I don't even think we should. I mean, I'm not for prohibition. We saw where that got us. I yeah. think it's more of an issue of how do we diversify and how do we communicate to people um, at large just sort of about the safety. Um, and look, I take a tremendous amount of shit for saying to people, cannabis is safer than alcohol. It is. If it's a choice, choose cannabis. If you know, if you're gonna on New Year's Eve, DUI spy, it's just such a fucking disaster. I'm always like, stay home and smoke a joint. Watch it, watch a space movie. Yeah. If you're going to do something. Agreed. You know, so I don't know why we have this kind of inherent dishonesty about intoxication. And you're right. In America, you have the, it is not illegal to drink yourself to death. It's not illegal to spray uh, to have the ability to spray bullets into a crowd. Why is it such a problem to smoke joint or shoot dope? Because you're exactly right. If the dope were actually not cut with who the fuck knows what by, um, you know, if it were regulated, far fewer people would die from using it. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm, Zach, explain to me. I don't understand. I mean, I know people who, who have shot fentanyl and, and heroin and they're fine. Like they have fentanyl patches from, you know, the, that for people who were going undergoing you mean from like cancer treatment. That they stole cancer from a cancer treatment. Patient? Yeah. Like, and yeah. like they scraped it and they, they boil it down, whatever. And they were like, fine. But like now, so I don't understand. First of all, I don't understand why now it's like a grain of it is killing people. And also like, as a Jew, and you are a Jew, why are you killing off your fucking customer base? I don't get it. Yeah, all good questions. I mean, so the, the big thing I always point out when talking about fentanyl is that there is 
pharmaceutically manufactured and FDA approved fentanyl. And that is usually coming in the form of, of the patch or there's like, right. you know, other ways of using it. Like, like my friend is an anesthesiologist and she injects people with fentanyl for a living, like every day. That's like her job. Wow. And, and it's, it's it. But like, she, she's not killing anyone like ever. Right. Like she's right. trained to like, make sure that they're breathing and give them breath. And like, they don't even really use naloxone in, 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 in the OR because they have oxygen. Right. They're keeping this person breathing. But uh, when it comes to this, like, I, I call it Terminator fentanyl. It's, like, synthesized <sighs> in a lab, like, like, like uber, like, manufactured and, and kind of right. dirty, like, gross, like, furanyl fentanyl or, like, acetyl fentanyl, car fentanyl, yeah. methyl fentanyl, like, all these, like, fucked up mutant fentanyls. Like, these are the things that are, that are, super potent and and it, it isn't really that a grain is killing a grain of salt is killing like that, that's sort of like 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 the like the pictures like the propaganda like that like yeah the, the junk science stuff the, yeah the dea will be like oh we just seized enough fentanyl to kill the entire city of cleveland it's like what <laughs> what the fuck are you talking it's like hey <laughs> like, like leave, leave cleveland out of this they're fine it's just like Right. And like the, the, the purity and potency of this like bag of powder you're holding up, you don't know. It could be like 0.001% methyl right, fentanyl right, right, and right, all right. sugar. Like you don't know. But, but like I think back to what I was saying about like the, the Chicago market and, and other markets is like you had a very stable sort of low grade heroin product. Like it wasn't too strong and it, you know, kept people coming back daily. Right. And then you have this like fentanyl is just very fast acting like the onset is so much quicker than heroin mm -hmm. and the mm -hmm. uh it wears off much faster so you have people dosing more frequently uh, doing more of it, okay. it it's, it's it's more like like a of like a crack high almost like it's really fast and and falls off okay. really fast and so like okay. you, it, it's just like a bad drug like like I, I i don't care what drugs people use but like these weird fentanyl analogs are like literally like just not made for human consumption. Like, go, like right. if it was like real fentanyl, like lab grade, like pharmaceutical grade fentanyl, I'd be like, go, right. go for it. That's like a beautiful anesthetic and it's like a miracle drug. But this other shit is, is, is garbage. Interesting. Do you think Zach, and I mean, and this is my opinion and let me know if you share this opinion that it's, actually the problem with drug use is criminalizing it because we can't keep people safe long enough for them to make an informed decision about how they want to live their lives so in other words people should have they have the right to self-determine if they want to use drugs why do they have to have like this sketchy shit that's been smuggled up somebody's ass across the border <laughs> why, why can't it just be like, okay, this is what it is. Here's the dosing. This is what it, you know. And or in your the, pussy, ghetto pap smear. Well, that's right. Or, <laughs> or a ghetto pap smear, right? Sometimes that's an effective way to transport drugs, which I have a story about that, but that's for another day. Um, am I wrong? Is it the criminal? Because I feel like making it crime does more damage than the drug itself. Yeah, I, it, I, it's complicated and like I, it depends like what mood I'm in is like to what extent I've, <laughs> I'm full legalization or partial or decrim or whatever. Like there's so many different avenues and, and ways to create a, a, a less 
lethal market. But the one that we have created is so super lethal and it's so demonstrated as lethal that it, it has to be gone. Not only is it lethal just to like everyday users, it's racist as shit. And it's yes. totally, it's just, it's bad news up and down. And so the, the current construction of our market in this prohibited, illicit, underground, super criminalized market, it, it, it's really fucked. And I do think that the, uh, like the criminalization of it just it, it really goes against everything we know about addiction in the first place. Like, like a, re- a very rhetorically useful line is actually the definition of addiction. It's that you are repeatedly using despite adverse or negative consequences. So why do we pile consequences onto people? Why do we put right. them in, in a drug court where if they piss dirty one day, they go back to jail. Like that is literally like the, it's the antithesis of treating addiction and I don't know like exactly what market construction would, would be, would, would solve for this, but it's definitely not the one we have now. And when I think of like these sort of utopic Western European, like Nordic models, it's like if someone is addicted to heroin and they're using it in the park every day and they're robbing cars to feed their habit, go get them in a clinic where they can get a pharmaceutical grade dose of heroin. They're taken off the street and they're given services and compassion for maybe the first time in their lives and watch right. how their use changes over time. They will right, use course. less of it. They will find a, a different purpose. They, they, they will be able to get their life back. And I, and I think in America, we just focus so much on the drugs. Like we, we fight a war on drugs or we fight a war on this virus or we fight a war on terror these are like bullshit manufactured made up things. Like these are not our enemies. Drugs are not our enemies. This unthinking pack of protein RNA that's upended our country. It's not our enemy. Like we, I just think have a totally skewed and flawed way of solving problems in this country. And it's, and it's, you know, everything is a nail and we need to hammer down on it. Mm. it to be work. sure. Now here's, here's a, um, no, I agree with you, and I don't understand how, how the right thinks that there is no law that will keep guns away from people, but there are laws that can keep drugs away from people. It's a very strange thing. Um, it's a very strange cherry-picking phenomenon. But here's an idea, Zach. Why don't you and I go to like Germany and Sweden, and we'll talk to some doctors, and we'll say, wait a minute, you give medication to heroin? You don't, you don't make them pray? And you just sort of see their reaction. Yeah, like to sort of see what they think. <laughs> I, I, You're I, I, a Catholic like, in AA. I, I am a Catholic <laughs> in AA, and I believe in prayer. I also believe in scientific inquiry, and I also Thank believe God. in Otherwise, scientific. Otherwise, I wouldn't even talk to you. Yeah, yeah I, I also I, believe in scientific achievement. The point being I mean, is, supposedly, prayer only works if the person knows you're praying for them. And there's actually something like you feeling like there's like a ritualistic thing with your brain that you feeling no, better. But about I think it. I think the point is more the idea that we have this raging opiate crisis and we don't want to medicalize that or treat that with compassion or as Zach says, help them with services right. and show them some compassion and let them talk to a physician and put them on proper maintenance drugs. The fact that we want to say you're a piece of shit and you should probably be in prison. And right. if you don't pray, you're, you're a bigger fucking asshole than we thought you were in the first place. It's just, it's just wrong. It's just absolutely wrong. And it's damaging to the culture. 
Yeah, I, well, this I, 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 I just have like one funny story about Germany. So like a, a, I don't know if it's Deutsche Bank or just some like very like powerful German bank. It, it was in like a, a sort of, you know, metropolis part of the city. And it was across the street from a park. And this park over time became a place where people who were like using drugs and dealing drugs. And it just became like a sort of mini skid row within this park. And the bank did not like this. And they were like, what can we do about this? And they fucking funded a supervised injection site to get the people out wow. of the park. And it's like the, the, the capitalist like millionaire class in Germany was like, we want our park back. Like, what, what, what can we do? And they, they helped create a supervised injection site nearby. So the people get out of the park. So the rich people can have their park back and, it's sort of a win-win. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like we, like, I think in, in the Silicon yeah. Valley should do that. They all fucking complain about the homeless and the drug use in San Francisco. And it's like, okay, they don't Apple, pay then fund taxes. some shit. <laughs> right. Fund some shit. Give us a, you know, a community space. We can give them information about getting off heroin. We can supervise their injections and we'll even have cookies, not even shitty cookies, good cookies. Or if you go to gay meetings, fruit, but fruit, uh, fruit kebabs. kebabs, right? That's a whole other story. We really need <laughs> to tell that story, Amy, but not not today. I like gay meetings better for many reasons. But anyway, we have to wrap up. You've been amazing. Cool. It's so good to talk to you. Um, where can people find you? And we're going to put it on our website also. Cool. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm just on Twitter too much. I'm at Zach writes stuff. I'm just tweeting shit all day long because I'm, you know, trapped inside a lot. But um, yeah. I, I also, me, Troy Farah, and Chris Moraff, we're all drug reporters. We do a little podcast called Narcotica. You can yeah. look that up. Um, cool. other, otherwise, I, I just, I'm freelancing and writing for magazines and stuff. So I'm out there. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on, man. You're rad. This Thank was you, awesome. Zach.